Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host. This dog to stop shaking. Oh, I'll try it again. Go to bed. Oh. Go to bed. Right. Go to bed. You're ruining the podcast. <laughs> Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to Patreon.com/slash Hour of Devastation. A pledge start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya! How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome, cool. I've uh, had the day off work today, so that's nice. Oh, very jealous. Yeah, uh, the storm that is currently raging around the UK hasn't destroyed anything in my house. Yeah, yeah, we seem to have like narrowly avoided it up north somehow. It's been pretty miserable, but like... My fences have all stayed up. Uh, my gate is is fine. Nothing has fallen off my house. So, you nice, know, sweet, doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, and I spent yesterday playing Legacy. Oh, always good. Which is very, very fun. I was just excited to just play some Legacy and like spend a whole day actually playing competitive Magic for once. Yeah. As opposed to running a tournament where everyone else is playing competitive Magic. <laughs> um, and it was really good fun, and I did very well. I'm um, very pleased, yeah. What, I, was your, so, what was your record on the day then? So I went, my actual record on the day was 302. Yep. Because given the size of the tournament, I was able to double ID into, into top eight. Nice. Yeah, so I went 3-0, and then the fourth round we ID'd, but then we played a casual game, well, a casual match, and I won that one, so technically it was 401, I guess. But yeah, I was playing, playing Bant Maverick, just Maverick splashing for Oko, essentially. Yeah. Uh, my deck list is on Twitter, if anyone's interested in seeing that. I also spent a lot of time taking the deck photo, so <laughs> I'd appreciate some more interaction with that, because I was like standing on my desk chair and nearly fell over to my death. Uh, but yeah, I was really happy with the list. Um, it was really good fun. And so round one, I played against Grixis Delver. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was hoping for. I was like hoping to play against Delver, because I really like my place against Delver generally. Just between like failures and then just having a good clock and then like Oko is quite good in that matchup as well it's just like Maverick versus Delver is one of my favourite matchups to play and I feel like I come out on top quite a lot of it quite a lot of the time yeah definitely just proper fun like really interactive magic yeah absolutely just like I Wasteland guess, Mirrors are so fun yeah I guess because of stuff like like Veil or Summer and Quest and Beast you get to have a really good game against them yeah it's really really good fun uh, I really enjoy that but the uh, the person I was playing against was my friend Kieran who um almost always plays Ant yeah. in Legacy. And since Ant is kind of like... Terrible. Reasonably, yeah. terrible. <laughs> I was going to be kind. You don't need to trigger hurt for me. It's just terrible. Yeah, Ant's just bad right now, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I still think, like, you want to run one uh, one main board, Veil of Summer, one main board Grape Shot, uh, and that makes it a lot better. But, it, I, yeah, like, Tez and... Uh, Breach Storm are like probably the best versions of Storm currently, which makes me yeah. sad to say. <laughs> I think I'm inclined to agree, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, he always plays Ant and like had moved recently to Grixis Delver because he wanted a competitive Legacy deck rather yeah. than just jamming a, jamming a bad deck. So I didn't know what he was actually like. He he like uh, he'd kind of suggested earlier that he was playing Grixis Delver, but I didn't actually know what I was playing. So I sit down against him round one, and he's wearing his like he's got a T-shirt with the. Uh, and nauseum tendrils written on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. And then he goes, uh, so game one, he goes, turn one, underground sea ponder. I'm like, okay. And then turn two, Volk ponder. I'm like, okay, mm. I still have no idea what he's actually playing. Yeah. And then like holds a card next to his lands. Like like he'd be making a land drop. Yeah. I was like, oh, he is on, he is on Ant. He's going to play a Lotus Petal or an LED. And I think about it for a second. And then puts it back in his hand and passes. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely on Ant. He's definitely on Ant, and my hand is really, really bad against uh, against Storm, but it's really, really good against Delver. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do? Okay, so I'm just going to just going to play the game and then just hope that like I he either doesn't have it if he's playing Storm, or I draw into something that's actually better against him. Uh, and then I pass again, and then he like plays another land and Fatal pushes one of my creatures. I'm like, okay, so he's definitely on Delver. Yeah, <laughs> but like <laughs> had me going for so long that he was actually playing Storm. Nice. <laughs> uh, but then we played some really good games. Uh, and I managed to take that one down, and then next round I play against Blue Red Delver. Oh, okay. Uh, in which, in one game, I attacked with a seven-seven questing beast, Oof. 
that he was inclined to block with a Trinem Nemesis. <laughs> wow. It's really good. Yeah, normally when my opponent plays two Trinem Nemesis, Nemesis uh, I lose very quickly, but I was actually managed to beat I actually managed to be able to beat two resolved true nemesis. Yeah, because okay. questing beast is a hell of a magic card. It's so like any game where you're using your true nemesis to block. You're probably not going to win that one. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Uh, I had some good games. I enjoyed that much. That much very much. Uh, and then round three, I played against lands, which isn't really a thing anymore. Yeah, and I guess that was because like I got the pair down because my opponent was on was one one playing lands i think it was just like the, the deck he owned yeah <laughs> it was just just playing it i mean um, if you own it you got to play it right yeah uh so game one i went turn one mother of ruins and then turns two three and four wastelanded him <laughs> <laughs> oops <laughs> which was really good and just managed to get out the the win from including one land which is a tabernacle which is great and got the win out from there and then uh game two i don't really remember what happened that much but he Basically, it came down to the fact that he couldn't find a Grove of the Bowmanos to buy back his Punishing Fire. Ah, uh, no. So I eventually just killed him. <laughs> it's great. Just like it wasn't close because he cast one Punishing Fire on, I think it was like uh, a Mother of Runes. Yeah. And then I just kept resolving creatures and he didn't do anything, so I killed him, <laughs> which was really good fun. Uh, and then, yeah, like I said, round four I ID'd because I could just easily get in top eight. But I did, did play the games against uh, against the opponent and he was playing Bomberman. Yeah. Which is just a matchup I should not win. Because yeah. it's just so difficult for me to interact with it. It's an interesting deck. Yeah, it's just like well, like between like it being a combo deck which doesn't really care that much about Thalia, it's hard to beat. It also just has main deck walking ballistas, which are very very bad for me. It also has the Khan lattice package and just Khan in general. It also has access to ensnaring bridges and, and everything that Khan has access to, and then also just plays mentors. Yeah. So like, I just on every axis the deck could possibly beat me. I'm just I'm just so bad against it. But I did manage to squeak a two-one against that in the casual games. Sweet, yeah, which was which was nice. I, I think I played some very good magic over the day, uh, and then yeah, round five I ID'd, um, which is I, I don't know because I think he was playing Turbo Lands. Yeah, so I don't I, like Turbo Depth. Sorry, so I don't really know how my match goes against because it's not that well because they can just win sometimes before I get a chance to like waste a lot of them or anything like that. Yeah, I mean you make top eight though, so yeah, absolutely, and then. At that point, it was like already four o'clock. Yeah, in and I think the uh, the prize payout was incredibly generous. Yeah. So that we all decided good. to yeah we all decided to split the top eight, and then I used my store credit and a stained glass nickel bolus, which I traded in to get uh, a revised tundra. That seems like a fantastic deal. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. So I played the event, played I guess technically four rounds of very good magic, enjoyed myself very much, hang out with some very nice people, and then walked away. With my second blue jewel land, hey, <laughs> fantastic! <laughs> feels feels very very good. Um, yeah, I was, I was really happy with the build of deck. I think a lot of decks recently, a lot of the Maverick builds recently have been playing Stoneforge Mystic, which I still think is shit. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I'll bleep that out. And they're playing Once Upon a Time, yeah, which I think is a bit too cute, just because it's a green card draw spell. I don't think you should be playing it. They haven't been playing Ramnap Excavator, which single handedly won me three games just through the Wasteland luck. Oh wow. I haven't really been playing Questing Beast. Questing Beast is just probably one of the best cards in the deck currently. Yeah. Um, just being able to beat the crap out of your opponent and hold up a blocker. Uh, and I think Oko is still just completely nuts. Yeah, that like, card is very good. It's just ridiculous. It it just it gets you out of so many situations that you just have a difficult, difficulty beating. It also fills the slot that stuff like Garak Relentless and Gideon Eye of Zendikar used to fill Yeah. against stuff like Miracles where you just have a thing that just keeps making threats and just keeps accruing new value that they have difficulty dealing with because it's a Planeswalker. Yeah. Oh, the card's just... And it's like kind of good against like Burn, I guess, if someone's playing that as well. Like It's just such a good card that I think the blue splash for it, just for that, just for Oko itself, is just so good. But yeah, I'm really, really happy with the deck. And awesome. I'm very happy that I managed to do very well with it, play some very good magic, and got a jewel land. <laughs> Sounds like you've had a great, great week then. Absolutely, yeah. It's really, it's, um, really good fun, and I guess kind of profitable. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> right. Now that I've bragged about that, how was your week? Yeah, mine was fine. In comparison, yeah, just totally fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> played a bit more Arena over the weekend, uh, and it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of not really getting to grips with this standard. I've been playing Blue-White Control, and it seems to be fine, but mm-hmm. I, just, I just can't seem to get myself out of gold uh, on the ladder. Like, 
I'll go on like a hot streak of like four games, win four in a row, and then just like lose four in a row, and I don't know, just haven't got the luck at the moment. Yeah, that's I guess that's kind of what you. I don't know. I found that with uh, with grinding tournaments, you just need things to like break your way a lot of the time as well. Yeah, definitely. If you're playing a good deck and, and playing well, you still need like a bit of luck on your side. Yeah, so that's a shame. Yeah, it is. Uh, I have been doing some Theros Beyond uh, Death drafts on on Arena as well, though, and that that's been pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's a really fun format. It's been my favorite format since I think probably Modern Horizons. Yeah, it's, it's really really good fun. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, depth to that format that I'm really enjoying. Yeah, same definitely. I feel like I, I've drafted like so many decks which, which have been like more than forty cards as well, which is very unusual. But it, it's it's not yeah. correct to play more than forty cards. I think I don't think it's always correct to play more than forty cards, but like it depends what your deck's doing, I guess. Yeah, I, I would agree that I don't think it's always correct, but I've definitely had like. Say like in the last ten drafts, I've done like at least like four or five where I've played oh. over forty, and it's just been right. Yeah. Like in some cases, yeah, sure, that's forty-one, but like I've definitely went like six-three with a fifty-two card deck. I think that's some of that luck we were talking about just a moment ago. Yeah. <laughs> they got you there. <laughs> I, don't know. I, mean, I, just, I feel works, like, like the, yeah, like the format's so grindy. You you can do that. I find like in forty-card decks, you get very close to the bottom of your deck anyway. Uh, so it it helps that way, but then like sometimes you just you just want all of these things. You want all of these enchantments. You want all of these enchantment creatures, and it it feels like you're playing like a really bad constructed deck a lot of the times. I think yeah. I think it, with it being such a grindy format and like self mill being a thing you actively want to do a lot of the yeah. time, and with the escape creatures and stuff, like it feels like you sometimes you just don't have enough cards to actually win the game. Yeah. So by the time you actually get a dominating board position and are able to actually take over the game you're like down to three or four cards in library <laughs> so i guess like 41 isn't that much of a difference but yeah for sure but yeah 52 was there <laughs> i only did it once but i i still think it was correct oh i mean sure yeah i i uh oh, do i trust your opinion enough to think that's correct yeah probably yeah <laughs> you're probably better at limited than me it's 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 been fine um i have managed to watch some cool magic though because uh, we had the players to a phoenix this weekend and there was also the pioneer grand prix at phoenix yeah i um before we start talking about phoenix as a whole i guess i would like to remind everyone that we definitely said that the lotus breach deck was very good oh yeah absolutely yeah it's we definitely said it, a thing we talked about it was probably the best deck in the format and uh, that i wouldn't be surprised to see something potentially banned from that deck yes that's what we said last week definitely yes i remember that <laughs> just like we just spent the entire episode just like oh Demir and Bert is really really good it's probably the best deck in the format and I don't think we paid enough attention to Lotus Breach uh, yeah I I agree I mean I don't think a lot of people did to be fair and I do I do wonder how much of it is a combination of very quick reacting to the Magic Online metagame post yeah. uh, Nagoya and Brussels uh, and it might be a little bit of like like metagame inbreeding as well, for want of a better term. Uh, I mean, very much like how you see Japanese tournaments have their own sort of flavour. I think the I think sometimes like it purely, well, I guess not purely, but as as close to purely North American, like large tournament you can get. Um, I think might also suffer from some of that. Yeah, I I think I agree, but I mean, like the entire CFB team were on. Uh... Lotus Breach deck, right? Yeah. Even if they wanted to be on a different deck, I guess they kind of all had to choose it. Yeah, um, totally. And I guess that ended up paying off for a couple of people, but yeah, I mean, the deck's certainly good. Yeah, I But agree. I think, and I think as well, like, part of the thing that we said last week about Demir Inverter, like, people potentially not being prepared for it, or not having the right tools to beat it, is very true of Lotus Breach. Like, if you want to beat that deck, it's very easy to beat. Yeah, I, I think it was that. I think, like, there, there weren't enough like Leyland of the Voids there at the weekend. Uh, mm. There just weren't enough hate cards. I think people were either playing the deck or weren't prepared for the deck, and I think that's why it did as well as it did. Yeah. So I guess if we, we want to just, just quickly run through, through the, the top eight of that, uh, we definitely saw that it was kind of... It kind of mirrored, um, I think, like Nagoya as, in terms of like percentages of decks, but rather than Inverter, it was, it was Lotus Breach. So you look at the top eight deck lists, you had uh, Alan Wu on Lotus Breach. You had Sultai Delirium. Uh, Jacob Wilson was on that. 
You had uh, Blue White Control, was there, Austin Bursevich. Uh, Blue Black Inverter by Pete Ingram. You had Blue Black Inverter by Corey Burkhart. Uh, Lotus Breach uh, by William Jensen. Bant Spirits, Thomas Ashton. Mono Red by Zachary Klein. Yeah, I mean, it's still kind of diverse, right? Yeah, it. I, I, I do think that it does still feel quite diverse. I think, like, especially if you, if you compare it to, like, Pro Tour Top 8s, like you always saw like two or three of a deck and then like a bunch of other decks. I think it definitely, it definitely like, it doesn't look unhealthy to me. No, I agree. Uh, I think really if I was going to be choosing a deck to just sort of stick on for a while and try and tune, it would probably just be the Sultai deck. Yeah. The the Swedish Sultai deck, I guess. The Sultai deck seems, it seems very good. It seems like that's the, out of all of the decks in the format, that is probably the deck that can fight against the unfair decks. Yeah, I also think it's very hard to hate out that deck specifically. Yeah, totally. There's certainly stuff you can do, but I don't think there's any part of it that really shuts down the deck as a whole, because they're just yeah. still playing good cards to try and beat you. So, rather than, you know, the Lotus Breach deck just, like, kind of pretty much folding to a Damping Sphere or a Lane on the Void, or the... Um, the inverter deck. I guess like the inverter doesn't like we said last week doesn't really fold that hard to a lot of things. Yeah, the inverter deck's very strange. Um like especially like when you bring sideboards in, you can just sideboard into a, just a, a much more sort of grindy mid range deck. Mm-hmm. We're seeing like if you look at like Pete Ingram's list, for example, he was playing like two copies of Ashiok Nightmare Weaver. Um he's playing a Kalidus, a Jace, Prince Prodigy, Packrat as well. Like you have so many different options just to kind of, like, transform the deck post-sideboard. Yeah, that's why your opponent's focusing on trying to beat the diverter, the uh, Inverter and the and the Oracle. You can just kill them with a load of other value creatures yeah. and, and Planeswalkers and stuff. And play a pack rat on turn two and then just win. <laughs> We've seen that happen quite a lot. Quite a lot. Yep. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess that deck will probably fold fairly hard to a ban, <laughs> which, which I can't see is too far off in the distant future. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been talking a bit about it uh, this weekend, and I I mean, we know for a fact that there hasn't been anything banned uh, today, mm-hmm. because they would have announced that already, and they haven't. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I don't know what they should... Like, I'm, So personally, I hope they, they give it a couple of weeks, just to see how the meta shifts online, and how decks try to, try to adapt to both the Blue-Black Inverter deck and the Lotus Breach deck. But I, I think it, it, it might just be inevitable that something does get banned from either one or both of those decks. And I'm not sure what it should be. I think, personally, I'd be really sad to see Thassa's Oracle get the hit, because that just takes out both the decks. Uh, I really like the Inverter deck being a thing. I like I like there being a combo. It's like I, I know we, we joked about it being Splinter Twin, but it's not. It doesn't just win on turn four. And it, there are certainly ways to beat it, but I do think, I do think you need you you might need to take it down a peg. But I, I certainly think you need to take lowest lowest breach down a peg. I think if you want to take, if you want to nerf the the two card combo, you have to take the inverter because if you take the oracle, this like it's it's certainly not as strong, but like there's still the sort of the fact that inverter does combo with Jace. Yeah, so that's. Like kind of like it's it's much less consistent and much less possible to do, I guess, um, because if the inverter puts like a few cards in your graveyard, then the Jace is it's far harder for the Jace to actually win from that. Yeah, but that could still be a thing. So if you just want to kill the combo outright, then I think you just take the inverter and then you can still do like kind of cool monoblue devotion things with the Oracle. Yeah, quite probably. I think I'm fine, kind of fine with Lotus Breach for a while. I like it, it, it's kind of uh, I guess if inverter was the breakout deck of last weekend, then. The breach deck is the the breakout deck of this weekend, but yeah, definitely. I think if you look at the stats, especially um, for for like Lotus Breach, like the win the win percent was was ridiculous. It had a so if you have a look at that, um, I can't remember who put it up now, but somebody somebody on Twitter who I should totally I should totally just just give credit somewhere um, took all <laughs> of the took a load of data from uh, all three of the the PTs and just put it into a spreadsheet and there's just stats for ev- absolutely everything and it's amazing yeah. uh, and if you have a look uh, Lotus Breach has got a f- 59.2% win rate yeah uh, Inverter has 55% yeah so like Breach has got a better win rate 
Uh, like looking at the stats for like day one as well, like uh, Lotus Breach had a one hundred percent win rate against Mono Black on day one of, uh, of Phoenix. Jesus, like one hundred percent. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the thing I think there's a lot of reasons why I'm not because I guess I said I said last week that I like Pioneer because pretty much as soon as they see a problem, they'll just get rid of it. Yeah, and I like that very much about Pioneer. I like that nothing. I mean, there's no, there's no, apart from like apparently Nick Foss trying to Nix, there's no real like sacred cards of the format, right? Like you can just kind of get rid of anything that becomes a problem. Yeah. And I've been liking that about the format, but I think with the Lotus Breach deck, like I think it, as I mentioned before, it's kind of like the modern affinity thing, uh, RIP, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas like affinity, if no one was paying attention to it, just decimated everyone. Yeah. And just won everything. And then as soon as that became a thing, I was just like, well, I'm just going to pack these cards in my sub and you can't win a game. Yeah, and about, Affinity about, was terrible. About six weekends of the air, Affinity is just like the number one deck that you cannot touch. And yeah. then every other weekend, everyone's ready for it. Exactly. Well, not anymore, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> too soon. Not too soon. Screw Mox Opal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, and I think that's, that's true of Lotus Breach, right? Like, if no one's pack- packing all the potential graveyard or i guess quote-unquote storm hate that they can be yeah then it's gonna kill everyone because it's very hard to interact with that deck once it gets there but just play some ley lines and some you know cards that are good against that deck and then i guess it's just it's it, it's very easy to to what if you want to beat that deck you can just beat it yeah definitely like pack your ley line of the void so your detention spheres yeah deafening silence if you want to do that definitely that's Hell a yeah. thing you can do alpine moon is a thing as well yeah it's just like uh, you can't so, so, like, Mox Opal didn't get banned because Affinity was too good, right? Yeah. Mox Opal finally got banned because it was doing broken things with Urza and, and whatever the rest of that deck was. It didn't get banned because of Affinity, um, but it killed Affinity. And like, like I said with the metaphor, but with, with Affinity, you, be, you can beat it if you want to. This Lotus Breach deck you can beat if you want to. So if we're going to ban a card from Lotus Breach, it, it's, it, it doesn't need to be like to kill the Lotus Breach deck in the same way that Moxon wasn't banned to kill Affinity even though yeah. Affinity decimated tournaments for years because it just doesn't need to go because you can just beat it if you want Yeah, and totally. I think I think, I think think that's fine and I think all formats have to have that kind of deck where it's like well, if, no one's gonna, if no one's prepared for this this is an excellent choice and then the next week it's an abysmal choice because everyone's just like well I'll just you know sideboard cards it's fine yeah um, so I want to see. I want to see how it plays out. I mean, like maybe there's a there's a build of a Lotus Breach deck that's just kind of unbeatable or like slightly too good or just puts up too many good results. Um, and I, like I said, like I do like the fact that Pioneer that they're just like, well, just ban it then. That's fine. Well, Cat Combo's too good. Ban it. Green's too good. Ban it. Like that's fine. But um, I kind of want to see like a few more big tournaments with Lotus Breach. See how it does. I want to see a few more tournaments with um, Demir and Berta. See how that goes going forward. See if anything else becomes. That kind of can, can put up the same sort of results as that. And yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm just. I just also want to see where, where Pioneer goes before we like have to ban anything else because I think we, we've just got. To the, obviously, you know, Theros Beyond Death. Every time we add a new set to a format, it like creates a lot of tension. But just before Theros, I think we were in a really good place with the with the format. We had a really good ban list, and there was a really good meta game. So we'll yeah, just see I how agree. it how it how it shifts and how it shifts and changes with the addition of new cards. I guess. And yeah. See where we go from there. I think the format's great. Um, I I think like. Yes, there are definitely two big decks in the format currently, Breach and, and Inverter, but I, I like the fact that we've had essentially four major events over the week, over the past two weekends. We had the two mm-hmm. PTs last week, we had uh, the PT Phoenix this week, and then there was also the GP Phoenix. Yeah, uh, I like that a different deck, like, yeah, those two decks both did very well in all four of those tournaments, but a diff- totally different deck has won each one of those tournaments. You got Sultai winning Brussels. You've got Spirits winning in Nagoya. You've got Inverter winning in the Phoenix at the PT. Although, like, I don't know. Like, if 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 there hadn't been like multiple mulligans in game two, uh, that might have gone differently. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the the GP was run won by Mono Red Aldrazi, which was was a pretty cool deck. <laughs> it's, it's a sweet deck. Uh, and again, I'm just gonna harp about things we've said for several weeks and just like Pioneer. You can just sort of. At this point, still you can still kind of play whatever you want and get there. Yeah. If you're if you build your deck correctly and know what you're doing, you can still, I guess, do it, do whatever you really want. Like absolutely. Yeah. Um, there are loads of decks that are just sort of like peaking into top eights, then going down again, and peaking into five lists and going down again. It's just like just you can just sort of do what you want and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I've been a big sucker pioneer. It's probably just dig through time that needs to go. Unfortunately. 
Possibly. But we knew that going into the format, right? We knew that was like... Yeah, like, even then, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. I just don't... I don't like... I don't like what is essentially demonic tutor that also randomly combos with the... Demirian... The, 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 like, Inverter of Truth. Yeah. But we are... I mean... I go back to, like, the list of Nagoya. That was just the devotion version of the deck. That isn't even playing Dig Through Time. Mm. Like, the deck can exist without it. Um, I think Dig Through Time... Give something to blue white control, which I don't think is very good at the moment. And uh, yeah, I, I like there being a just like a hard control deck in the format. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think if we're going to ban anything, if we have to ban something, I'm going to be on dig for now. Uh, but I, I don't want it to get banned. Yeah, I don't want anything to get banned currently. Yeah, yeah. Pioneer continues to be an excellent format. Agreed. Wonderful. All right, so that was a very long intro section. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about white cards and and how we feel about ma- white and magic and what is is white's role in the game. How, what can we do to white to improve it going forward? Nothing. And, nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> by by its very nature, yep. nothing really. I think really the solution is to sort of tune down all of the other colors while keeping white on the level it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we figured. It was really cool to talk about white, so let's let's talk about the other colours. Yeah, so this is the polar opposite, I guess. Yeah. Let's talk about green cards. That, yeah, magic's flavour of the of the I was gonna say of, of the week, but I guess it's been at least a year now. Yeah, green has just been great forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so I think I don't think it's any stretch to say that green is the best colour of magic. Yeah, at this point it just it just is. If you ignore vintage and old school Green is just the best colour. And I don't think it's particularly close. I would possibly make an argument for being the best colour in vintage currently as well. Well, I said unless, you, unless you can't. I said if you ignore vintage. No, no, I'm saying include vintage. Oh, you think green's the best colour in vintage? Like the Veil of Summer is a card. Uh, yeah. Go as a card. Oath of Druids is very good at the moment. Yeah, Oath Druids. Yeah, I think like the point I was going to make was that like if you. If you don't include colorless, because colorless isn't a color, yeah. Because if you include colorless, then it's yeah, that's the best color. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think it's very close. I don't. It's probably too close for me to call, but I I wouldn't be surprised if green was the best color. Yeah, and they just keep continues to keep printing incredibly broken green cards, or at least broken cards that touch green, right? Yeah, absolutely. So like, like Renin Six touched green, made green decks too good. We got it banned in Legacy, uh, and I guess that's a spe- Legacy-specific thing. Uh, you make Oko, Oko touches green, makes the green decks in Standard way too good, makes the green decks in, in uh, Pioneer too good, just makes Modern broken. That's a problem, right? Yeah. It's touching green, like you said. And I was pr- I was going to come to this later, but we can talk about it immediately because obviously it's, it's it's one of the the biggest I guess arguments against green getting all these toys is Veil of Summer being an yep. incredibly good <laughs> Magic card. Should not have printed that card. I actually didn't resolve one on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. I'm just I'm just just remembering that now. Like obviously I'm playing two in my Maverick sideboard because it's a ridiculous card, as we'll yeah. sure I'll discuss in a second. But I didn't actually cast that card at all. I guess I just didn't draw it. Uh, but yeah, that card is incredibly stupid. It's a one mana cryptic command that just makes all of Blue's good cards just seem like a joke, makes Thoughtseize and Him to Torak and loads of black removal spells seem like a joke. Yeah. It's always a zero for one. Yep. Because why does it replace itself? This I'm going to get sidetracked with that. <laughs> but yeah, better summer being a thing. Um, it, it, they just keep printing all these really good green cards, like Nissa in standard, right? Um, Oro in basically every format touches green, makes green decks really good. Does yep. predominantly green things. Yep. Like does does you're putting into land and then he's a six six later on in the game. So that's like greens very much part of greens color pies being a big creature that for some reason gets you land value. Hydroid Crisis touches green. I guess green-blue is kind of <laughs> maybe a problem in terms of its design space. I guess yeah, green-blue is a colour identity. Because we saw it like green-blue just got so many stupid cards. Like the ones I just mentioned like Uro, Oko and Hydroid Crisis. Jesus. Yep. But yeah, we've seen Nissa doing stupid things. They uh, have had Lana Ralves and stuff and ramp creatures and, and it just basically green gets to do everything. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just does. Yeah. Um, 
And even if you even if you go back to Neofracture and look at Beast Within, it gets to do literally everything. Yeah. Um, and this is this is the thing I think the way it works. So it gets it gets to have like okay, so it's small creatures are kind of mopey. But you look at something like Destiny Spinner and it's a two mana two three with upside, like okay. But it, so it has it has efficient mid sized creatures most of the time. It has big creatures. It has the ability to draw cards in a yep. number of ways, and it's not even just like when a creature enters the battlefield, draw a card like it was for such a long time. Yeah. Now you have stuff like Veil of Summer, which is just like cantrips, which is <laughs> an absurd mode on that card, where you just cantrip for a one green. Uh, it has... It has game life. Like, pretty much like every yeah. other green card now has, like... Yep. When land as a battlefield, gain a life. Or yep. if a land is put into your graveyard from your library, gain a life. Or yep. when this comes into play, gain a life, draw a card. Wait, why does Uro gain life? <laughs> I don't know. I randomly gain no idea why. Yeah. It also has, it is indisputably the best at naturalize effects. Yep. So it has naturalize, and it has return to nature now, which I think we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it has force of vigor. Like, it, it has, it is able to deal with basically every permanent. Yeah. Uh, it has ramp, right? Oh, including yeah. including mana dorks, which we have appreciated are very, very broken in standard. Because we're not allowed to have a mana or elves anymore. No, we can have guild goose and a boreal grazer. Yep. Uh, it has hexproof. Hexproof is a green mechanic. Yep. And it features on some other colours, but it's mostly a green mechanic. Predominantly a green thing, yeah. Yeah. Which is incredibly frustrating. It has regrowth effects. So it has actual regrowth. It has eternal witness. It has loads of other cards that I mean, there's like uh, once in future from. It's not a good one, but once in future from Throne of Eldraine, which which regrowths two cards. Um, just to just to go back to the hexproof bit slightly. Yes. Why? Why does green have hexproof? What what about? Yeah, about hex hexproof as a is a green as a green ability. I mean, to be fair, you can ask that question of literally every any of the things I've just said. That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, ramp and naturalize, sure. Big creatures, sure. Those have been green things for literally ever. Yeah. Why does it get hexproof? I mean, I guess hexproof is not really a big deal, but why does it get like also efficiently costed creatures? And I'm going to come to a mi- in a minute the value creatures that it also has. <laughs> yeah. And why does it get card draw? Yeah. It has, yeah, so it has three growth effects. It has the ability to make tokens just as as a part of its card identity. Because like we said when we are talking about white, every every colour has the ability to make tokens. Yeah. But green is particularly good at making large tokens, and consistently. Uh, and then, yeah, the stupid value creatures. Where just like, all the creatures are just like, a reasonable a reasonable creature, and then it does something stupid. So, I mean, it... it Going back to the card draw, it has stuff like Wall of Blossoms and Elvish Visionary, which we didn't actually touch on when we talked about White. We didn't talk about Wall of Omens. Yeah. I don't. Why the hell does Wall of Omens exist? Like, I'm glad that it does because it's a White card draw spell. But like, in terms of White as a color identity, why does Wall of Omens exist? I have no idea. It's a very yeah. strange one. I mean, why does Wall of Blossoms exist, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So you have like Tireless Tracker. Yeah. Which is an incredible card that has seen play in every format. It's great. You have Corsair of Crufix, which is stupid. And I, I kind of I forgive Corsair of Crufix because it's not actually like card draw, right? Yeah. It's it's doing the land thing. So we, we, we had like Oracle of Moldaya, which is a ridiculous card. But it's doing it's doing something it's doing quote unquote card draw in a very green yeah. way. Being able to play lands from the top of your library is fun. But also that's a two four and it also gains life. <laughs> like, sure. And we have the most recent Satessan champion which is an incredibly stupid card. And I think my problem with that is that we've had green enchantress effects forever. Yeah. And we've had a green creature that when an enchantment enters a battlefield or when you cast an enchantment, draws a card. And we, we had Sator Enchanter in M19, which I misspoke a few episodes ago. Uh, but also it just gets massive. Like, how is that fair? This is the green thing. It's like whenever it draws cards, it also gets massive. So like yeah. tireless, tireless Tracker... Does the land thing, right? Does a green thing to draw cards. That's, I, I can, I'm fine with that because it has landfall investigate, right? Yeah. But it also gets bigger whenever you sack a clue and that's my problem with it. It's not just like a three mana uh, well-casted green creature that can rumble and also draw cards. It also gets huge. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And I get, I, I get how that works with the color pie um, because green creatures are big. Right, but yeah. why does it have to do both on one card? <laughs> why does it have to be your draw engine 
that randomly gets you value for doing the things your deck wants to do, especially in the case of Tireless Tracker where you're just playing glands yeah. and getting value from it, and also just be your beater, like be the biggest creature on the battlefield. I think that's one of the one of the things with green is just like it gets to do the value thing and also just have the most threats. Yeah, definitely. It's it's not even just like the most threats; it's, it's the highest quality of threats as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm like I said, like I'm fine. I guess I'm fine with green incidentally drawing cards in green ways. Yeah. Apart from Veil of Summer, because that card just doesn't make any sense. Like Tireless Tireless Tracker makes makes sense to me, like from like a flavor perspective. Yeah. It, it totally just fits the the theme of that set, like definitely, because mm-hmm. um, it's it's not just Tyler Tracker alone that makes clues. It's it, other creatures made clues as well, like other things made clues. It wasn't just like it didn't just rely solely on you playing a land to make a clue to crack a card to draw, to crack, crack the clue to draw a card to put a counter on it. Yeah. Like you could you could do that in other ways. Yeah, sure. So I, th- I think I do think Tyler Tracker makes sense. I, yeah. But I don't know if it if it should. If you, if That's you the thing. What I mean. just, like, just because something makes sense and it works in terms of the color pie and it works in terms of flavor doesn't mean it should exist. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the... I don't really understand why green gets to draw cards or gets to have card advantage. Like, I understand it is part of its color pie now, but it wasn't for a while. Like, when I first started playing Magic, and, like, granted, that was only, like, 2013... Yeah. So in the grand scheme of magic, it's not actually that long ago. But green's main problem, and even when I built green commander decks, I card advantage was a huge problem. Yeah. Like I built a mono green commander deck, and it's like this is broken until there's a board wipe, and I just can't rebuild because I don't have the ability to to get consistent good card advantage. Yeah. And now that's just not a problem. Green can just draw cards, and that was a def. That's a definite change. And like, there's always an argument being like. There's always a thing on Twitter, like, why can green draw cards? And then someone's like, here's this card from Nemesis that drew cards. Here's this card from Alliances that's a green card that drew yeah. cards. And like, Wall of Blossoms. Like, Sylvan Library. Look, you get to look at Wall of Blossoms. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? Uh, and like, uh, Wall of Blossoms is from Stronghold? Right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's an old it's one. A, it's an old one. Yeah, and it's a green It's a, it's a a green creature that draws cards. Like, yeah, green has always been able to draw cards, but it's never been able to draw cards. Like, it's never had this many cards in a standard set that draw cards, or there's so many cards in a standard environment that draw cards. Yeah. And normally to get card advantage, it had to be like a specific thing, like it had to be elves. To get card advantage, you can play green, but you have to play specifically play elves. elves. Yeah. Well, now you just play green and just get to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand that, because like, green and white being my favourite colours used to be just like, well, I like bad colours, that's fine. <laughs> and now it's just like, well, I just like the best colour, and it just gets to do whatever it wants. Yeah. And the th- so, it, like, if we just run down the things that you want to do in a game of magic, right? So, I, I guess this doesn't apply really to constructed, but certainly in limited, it has the ability to remove creatures. Yep. Because you have fight effects, and fight effects have rarely been, I mean, if ever, constructed playable. Yeah. But you have the ability to remove creatures. The fact that you have large creatures means that often you have the ability to remove creatures, creatures right? Yeah. It just isn't a spell that removes creatures. Yeah. You have the ability to remove planeswalkers by that very same fashion. Also, the fact that trample is the greenest word you could possibly have in magic. <laughs> so you can very easily kill planeswalkers. Yeah. You can draw cards. There are just green cards that say, we've just spent, I'm spent seven minutes ranting about the fact that it can draw cards. It can ramp which is a thing that literally no other colour can do if you, unless you touch artifacts. Yeah. Like, other colours can't ramp. Yeah, like, like the only other colour that can do it is red temporarily. Exactly, like it can have a mana burst, right? Yeah. Red can have a little bit of mana as a treat. As a treat. Hey. I'm embracing the meme, it's fine. Great. Um, <laughs> but green gets he, he gets to put lands into play, which are the most untouchable for, the, untouchable type of magic card. Or have a mana dork, which consistently taps mana. Green is the only colour that is allowed to do that. And we've seen, between Lanor Elves and Gilded Goose, that's probably too good. Because it's just, like... As someone that has played Noble Hierarch basically every week of my life forever, <laughs> <laughs> having three matter on turn two is ridiculous. Yeah. And we've now seen, you know, we mentioned earlier, now that Mox Opal's gone, green's the only colour that gets to do that, really. Yeah. You know? So it's it's able to do that. It's able to remove, in the fact that it can remove creatures and planeswalkers, technically, it is able to remove every permanent type because it can just kill enchantments and artifacts easily 
whether that's with a naturalized or like just on a reclamation stage that is also a two one. So that's good. And it's just good at like being an aggressive colour as well. Yeah. Because even if your threats cost three and four and five mana, instead of what white and red have as one and two and three mana, because you have the ramp, <laughs> you're casting that much earlier. Yeah. So it just has the ability to also beat down, and that's this is what I found with Maverick yeah, I mean, is that is that you have every you have everything. Yeah, definitely. I also the fact that like yeah, your creature might cost one mana or two mana more, but that creature is going to be bigger, it's going to be better, That it's in Green's nature to have the best creatures. Yeah, absolutely. And that's fine, but then it also has everything else. Yep. yep. And this thing, in, in, in terms of it being innate that it has ramp, <clears throat> and in every set we have some kind of green ramp, whether it's good or not, whether it's going constructed or green limited, we have stuff like Gift of Paradise or what have you, it's also a really easy to splash other colours. Yeah. Which is what we've seen as problem with some of these green-blue cards specifically. Yeah, because it's not just the colour of ramp, it's also the colour of mana fixing. Exactly. Like, Llanowar Elves isn't that big of a problem in that way, but stuff like Gilded Goose and, and stuff like, I guess, like Rampant Growth type effects, which we do have in standard, like Beanstalk yeah. Giant, what have you, you can just play a random blue card, and if the blue card's already touching green, then it's just fine, and I think that leads to, like, why green's so good, because it's like, Okay, well, in this in this speci- in this specific format, I can't do this thing that that Green wants to do, so I'll just splash this because it's really easy. Yeah, off my Gilded Goose or my Noble Harak or my Rampant Growth variant or what have you. So it just gets to do whatever it wants and then join the other colors very easily. Green is the easiest way to splash another color. Yeah, agreed. And you see that in every in every format, and it's just become too much, I guess, at this point. It's it's ridiculous that green gets to do everything. Why, why does it get to do everything? <laughs> I think this is something that Wizards of the Coast are definitely aware of as well. Uh, I do think mm. that. I mean, the issue really seemed to seemed to come from um, around the time of like Battle for Zendikar, especially like we knew that we know like that green was very weak in that set, and there was a lot of complaints at the time that just green feels stone cold unplayable, and it definitely been times where like you look at like a top eight of a pro tour and there's just not a single green card in it so i think like obviously they made, they made a very conscious effort to, to change that to give back to green but i think they've they've gone too much too much too fast on the dial and i think they are very well aware of that now but unfortunately due to the nature of, of how the game is made it's just going to take some time before we see any sort of slowdown on, on that that gas pedal <sighs> yeah I just I think the the problem the problem that I have with with it is that these cards don't exist in a vac in a vacuum. Like these cards affect other formats, older formats. And once you've printed a card, like you can't just unprint it. Like they can't just, just undo Oko, they can't just undo Veil of Summer. Like those cards exist, those cards are gonna exist in modern and legacy, those cards are gonna get restricted in vintage, but they're still gonna be playable, they're still gonna massively shift what those formats look like. Yeah, but they don't care about that. Yeah. I think Wizards have consistently proven that they, they don't particularly care what happens to I mean, even modern at this point, but like Oh yeah, absolutely. What doesn't happen what happens to legacy and to vintage they just don't care about because I guess at the end of the day I mean this has also been true for Standard and Pioneer, but we can just fix it at a later date. Yeah. We don't have to think about what this card does in modern because we'll just we'll just get rid of it. And I mean, that was even, strangely, true of Modern Horizons, <laughs> where I guess they thought they were printing some sweet cards for Modern Horizons and just broke the format in half completely. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, as well, speaking of Modern Horizons, Hogak. What? Why? Green also has that. I guess that wasn't really a green card, right? <laughs> I mean, it technically was. I mean, it comboed with Vengevine. That's a green yeah. card. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, green just gets to do whatever it wants, and I hope... Even as someone that loves green and very much enjoys casting both Oko and Veil of Summer, they, 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 that's something they do something about soon. Yeah, definitely. It's, like, on a personal level, it's it's causing problems for me as far as, like, my enjoyment of standard goes. Because I, I think, like, just, just time and time again, I'm running into, like, every matchup just feels exactly the same. Like, I'll play a land, and then they'll play a land, and they'll play a goose or a grazer, put a land into play... Next turn they'll play an Oko, and then they'll either play a Nissa or a Wilderness Reclamation, or 
or like, I don't know, another Uro, put another two lands into play and draw some, some cards and gain some life. And it just, it really sucks the fun out of the game for me, I think, when like every matchup just becomes the same because it's just correct to play these very good green cards. I mean, I can't play Oko, right? They can't play Oko, they play Uro <laughs> in multiples. <sighs> yeah. And I guess this is the thing, like, you're not, I guess when it comes to, and I, I obviously, I'm not a game designer, but by any stretch of the imagination, I'm just commenting, commenting on what I see, right? Yeah. I guess in terms of if you're very strict, if you have to be very strict to the color pie, and again, like I, I, I said two weeks ago, I'm very happy that they are strict to the color pie, and I'm very glad that that's something that defines magic and it makes magic great. But I mean, Marrow has hammered this point home very much. But like, if if you're designing cards and you're sticking to the the color pie, then I guess with green, that means you can do everything. Yeah, it means you you can't really print a card that says destroy target creature. You can't print a card that says counter target spell. No, not 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 directly at least. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you can't write those words on a card, but it can do everything else. You can't print counter target spell, but you can print you have hexproof or this creature has hexproof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. spe- spells you control have hexproof. Yeah, you can just print essentially a strictly better flusterstorm with draw a card yeah. tacked on it. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's, effect- it's effectively a card spell. But that's the thing: you can't. There are certain things that green can't do, which is destroy, like actively say destroy a creature or a planeswalker, yeah. or counter a spell. But it can do that if you word it differently, yeah. and you say has hexproof from or can't be countered by or is massive and has trample. Yeah, and can't be blocked by. And yeah, the, the, there are so many ways ways around to, to like blend and warp the color pie. And I, I feel like they've definitely taken liberties for the, the for the past twelve months. Yeah, because because the thing with green is like, okay, I get the seven mana seven seven that's good. And if blue has a seven mana seven seven, it's terrible. Green has a seven mana seven seven. It comes down on turn four. So yeah. like this limitation that you've put on green by being you can have big things at a big cost like don't matter anymore because you can just cast them early, and that's not just an eternal format thing at all, because between between <laughs> goose sub or her grains and Uro, that's just a th- and, and growth spiral I guess it's just a thing that you can just do in green. Yep. So, I guess the the like the limitations on green are just like non-existent. You can't you, like we said you can't change white co- white's color pie, you can't change green's color pie really. I mean, what can you take away from green that stops all this stuff happening without just ruining the colour? Yeah. Like, I guess yeah. the ability to draw cards, you probably just stop making them able to draw cards. Yeah, definitely. That That's probably the first thing I, w- I would do. Because it's not like... Because blue and black can draw cards. They say draw a card on them. Red can't really draw cards unless it's like a, a cathartic reunion, tormenting voice, fatalist fatal kind of yeah. way where there's a massive disadvantage. Well, I suppose a different disadvantage. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and... If they if red wants to draw cards for just free, they have to do the impulse thing, yeah. Like the um, the exile like the you can play style it. thing, yeah. yeah. You can you can exile and then play it. Whereas green now and just just says draw a card on just some random some random things for no reason. Yeah, I honestly think Uro would have been better if it just said search your library for a forest and put it into play. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, well, that would have been, been better, but it would have been less problematic, definitely. Yeah, because like the thing with like cause the thing with growth spiral as well. It's just like, well, I already have the land in hand, so I'm hoping to draw an interactive spell, and then you draw it and then cast it. Yeah, I, I, I think I you just like... stop it actually drawing cards. I think you, I don't know, I don't know how you'd word it, but you stop green saying draw a card. I think it, in the case of something like Uro, I think I I would have much preferred. If they gave it some, I don't know. You know, I don't know how it fits in flavor wise, but if they gave it some sort of like modal choice, like uh, when it, when it enters the battlefield or attacks, you can either draw a card or you can search library for a forest button into play. I think that would be more broken. You think so? Probably. As opposed to just doing both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's something that strikes me as like if I saw that text on a card. I think it was very, very... Well, I think it was too... Ma- again, like, I'm not a game designer, so maybe not that specific text, but something, thing, that, yeah. something that give, gives you a choice of, like, something do like one that. thing or the other, and, like, not just do both of these things and have three life. As well, this is... <laughs> it's not a treat, it's just too much. <laughs> it's like you've already had, like, a day full of treats, and someone's just like, here's a milkshake. Just for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> you don't deserve it at all. 
but here is this also. That's what the yeah. free life on Oro feels like. That's what Draw a Card and Veil of Summer feels like. That's what the absurdly high loyalty on Oko feels like. It's like, you're doing these good things, here's some more, for, for just no conceivable reason. <laughs> uh, like that's, that's a good analogy, I do like that. Yeah, just you've had a lovely, you've, like, you've been to a theme park and you've had a massive lunch, and then you've like, I, I don't know, like, it's like when you're a kid, like, imagine the best day you ever had as a kid. Right? Yeah. And I can't think of a specific example, because I have, In my like... room, playing Battletoads by myself. Sure. <laughs> exactly, right? Right, sure, that's fine. If that was, your, that was your best day ever. Imagine at the end of that day, for absolutely no reason, someone came and was like, oh, here's a massive milkshake. Yeah, And you, you already really, really enjoyed that day, and you consider that, as an adult, to be that, the best day you can possibly remember. And then someone just gave you something really, really nice at the end of it. That's what green cards feel like at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And we've seen it with cards that already existed. With Naturalize, Naturalize was a fine card. Yeah. And then they were just like, oh, also it connects all the creature from a graveyard. Why? Why does that need to be a thing it can do? Green yeah. has not really been known for exiling things from graveyards before, from my memory. It's exactly the inverse. It can return things from your graveyard to your hand. Why does it suddenly get to it? Like... And it's the same with Satessan Champion. It's an enchantress. We've seen Argothian enchantress. We've seen... Yeah. I can't think of any other names of enchantresses right now. You, you have an enchantress, and then for some reason it just says, also, here's a plus one plus one counter. You randomly have a seven nine. It's the best day you've ever had in your life. Here's a milkshake. It's ridiculous. Corsair of Crufix. This is a good effect. You gain a life. Tireless Tracker. This is drawing you cards whenever you play a land. Also, here's some counters. Yeah. <laughs> Why does it do these things? Uh, like, I don't know. I really don't know. It's just it's also. I know I've, I've referenced back to it quite a lot, but I've played a lot of Legacy, I guess, yesterday, <laughs> so it's fresh in my mind. Uh, Gilded Goose just gets to make its own food. Yeah, there's points. <laughs> there's points. Gilded Goose is good enough in Legacy that I want to play it in Legacy, and part of that is just because at some point I get to sp- like spend four mana to gain three life. I get to pay two mana, tap it, make a food, and tap that food, and pay two mana to gain three life. Yeah. That's just a thing you can also do with that card. That is true. As well as cast a three drop on turn two. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I mean, that's a flavor win as well, unfortunately. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's kind of messed up that you're just milking. You, I guess not milking. <laughs> that's literally <laughs> the other thing. You're just like, you know, oh no, I don't want to play Gilded Goose anymore. I'm just making my goose lay eggs so I can yeah, eat you, you, You're tapping the goose. You're that's tapping grim. the goose to, to eat the... Eat the grass, eat the the land, <laughs> or whatever whatever geese eat. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then you, yeah, you you're using the mana to make egg. Gross. Is is laying an egg the same as? That's messed up. A goose is eating its own egg to make mana. That's what essentially uh, what you're doing, like, right? Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Because you're, I mean, you're like, it's make it well, made of gold, though. Mm. That's less of a moral quandary, I guess. Yeah. How the hell does a goose eat gold? <laughs> well, or like uh, it's like I don't know, throwing its egg against a wall and it gains mana. How does that work? How does a make egg make mana? I mean, yeah, I don't know. There are a lot of flavor misses. There are a lot of flavor misses in magic. See, that's the thing. Like, I think on a lot of levels, that card's a really great flavor win. Yeah. And then when you actually think about it. <laughs> <laughs> as I'm doing right now, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my point. <laughs> Green cards are just magic cards with a milkshake at the end for no reason. And yeah, I like that. I, I'll take that, definitely. Whereas white cards are just magic cards where someone punches you in the face at the end for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so then, oh, you were trying to play magic cards and like have a good... Get- I'm just going to smack you in the face. That's it. That's yeah, what white cards feel like a lot of the time. If someone offers you a milkshake, but they just throw it in your face and then spit on you and leave... <laughs> spit on you and leave <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot yeah that's that's how it, it's how it honestly feels yeah um, and I don't really I don't know I think honestly the thing with white is like we were like oh how the hell do we fix white and then at a certain point I feel like you were really excited to come up with some nice answers yeah and I then I, I just broke your spirit <laughs> no I, I, I don't know if broke my spirit is, is the right term but I think very, very much like, yeah, went into that episode thinking, 
hey, this is cool. I've got some ideas and some answers and th- things I want to talk about. And the more we talked about it, the more I just realised, like, yeah, it's it's not in like, in white's nature to be an advantageous colour. It wants to be a fair colour. Yeah. But in order for it to, like, it can never just push itself ahead. So in order for it to be a fair colour, the, like, the other colours can't be too far ahead. Yeah. Uh, it sounds and like... is green, green is just, green is... Yep. Far too far ahead of the rest <laughs> of the colours, and unfortunately, the fix is just to wait it out. And I, I, I don't think that's good. I really don't think that's good. It doesn't feel good, at least. I guess, like, so if we look at it in the way that we, because we, we really like broke it down with with white cards and white mana and the white part of the colour pie, we really broke it down in terms of why white can't do those things. Yeah. If you actually break down why, like, why green gets ahead so much, I guess literally the only the only tangible reason for green being able to get ahead is because plants grow and green is the forest color yeah because like in terms of ramp right the, the point is you have let's assume i'm a powerful wizard a powerful magician you the reason i can get ahead of you is because i have imbued the power of the forest and the power of the forest is to grow yeah and land is if you think about it a green thing even if yeah, it's an island or a mountain or a plains, right? It's a green, like, like drawing mana and power from the land is a green type thing. So green gets to put more lands into play, so it gets to get ahead on that access axis. But that's not what magic is, right? Magic the Gathering has moved far away from that being like what magic is. Like you don't really think of yourself now playing modern magic as a powerful planeswalker who casts yeah. these spells and put and summons creatures into play. You think of them like as a world, right? As the flavor, like the lore of the planes and, and you know, as Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, you you know you're not casting firebolts, you're uh you're you're witnessing a battle between you know goblins and angels rather than like yeah. You are Summoning on the field the, and you're yeah. you're drawing spells from your book of spells and yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you're trying to justify it from that from that perspective, how does green get to just do everything ahead of everyone else? Because yeah, I can understand it. I can understand blue being ahead of everyone else, because the point of blue, like it is imbued in blue, imbued in blue manner. That's a hard thing to say. <laughs> it's imbued in blue manner that you're smarter. That's the point of blue, right? Yeah. Jace the Mind Sculptor is an incredibly smart, pretentious ass. That's the point of Jace the Mind Sculptor, right? Yeah. Um, but like. So I can understand them getting ahead on so, but then then they can't do certain things. There's a lot of things blue can't do, which I'm sure we'll get to on a later episode. Um, but why is outside of like plants growing? How is green actually like in the way that white is the color of balance and and it can't do things? It can only come from behind. How is green able to just maintain its like that's not a green thing? Yeah, <sighs> there's some semblance of a point in there, I'm sure. But no, I think definitely. it comes across like I don't understand how green. I understand in terms of magic game design and in terms of just defining the color pie, things that green is able to do in terms yep. of a game. But in terms of like actually coming down to what green mana is meant to represent in a game, how is it able to do everything better than everyone else? Yeah, I don't know. Really how is don't how know. is green the best? It, it basically, or, or why should it get to be the best? Yeah, why why is it? And it's so far ahead of everything else. Yeah, it's not close. <laughs> How much better it is than literally every other color, in it on every axis. Yeah. Apart from like, I guess, getting them dead by turn four. But you're not far away because if you cast a Gilded Goose and Arboro Grows, you can put a big thing into play. They're probably dead fairly quick. I mean, you could just scape shift into Valakut. That's the thing. Or you could just prime time into Valakut. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like in terms of that primeval titan, I understand. It is a a beast of the a forest of the forest. Right? It's a giant that lives in the forest and brings the nature with it, and you can get a volcano. <laughs> it brings a volcano with it, I guess. But I understand that as a design, right? I understand yeah. why Prime Evil Titan's so good, because it is the embodiment of green mana. Yeah. It also costs six mana. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I think I think we've we've I don't really think we've really solved anything, but I think we've laid out why it is so easy to lament green. And I understand why green does all those things, but I think the way you fix it is you just you just stop writing the words, draw a card on green cards, specifically. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because that's that's the thing that puts it so far ahead a lot of the time. Yeah, that's it. I, I think it just, it just needs to start doing less. And 
yeah, I do think it's just going to be a, a while until we see that. I, I'm very confident that they're fully aware of the problem and, and will be implementing design changes, but we've just got to ride it out. And that kind of sucks because like, I really enjoy playing Magic. And if that means that I don't get to play Standard for a little while, then I don't know. It kind of makes me sad. Yeah, I, I guess like the thing is, when you come down to it, a lot of formats, green gets to do the things you want to do in those formats because the thing you want to do a lot of the time like especially in standard yeah it's the thing you want to do is be attacking your opponent to death because combos don't really exist in standard and yeah. for a time didn't in modern and like i guess didn't for a time in pioneer really uh <laughs> no they've always been a thing in pioneer <laughs> yeah but you know what i mean like in terms copycat of, was a thing and then <laughs> yeah. at least in what they wanted pioneer to be based on yeah. the bands that they've made it's that the thing you want to be doing is attacking your opponent to death making them dead yeah and green gets to do that the best, and then have all these other things like Veil of Summer, like Oko, to just nullify your opponent's stuff. Yeah, totally. And get far ahead and be able to cast a 6-6 six, six before everyone else. Um, so it's just, it's it's it lines up as the, the best thing to be doing if you want to play a game of sort of traditional, fair magic. Yeah. It's just play green cards, because they're the best at doing that. I think is the thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm right I love it yeah so, I mean you know I think that's it like we, we we can't fix green at this point we've just got to wait but hopefully you manage to to pull something interesting out of that um, I I like this discussion on colours and I, I think we should do more in the future definitely the next couple of weeks I'm really excited to get to uh, maybe we should do black unless unless yeah. you know something something big and like noteworthy happens next week we should do black and you can very much lead the discussion on skulls <laughs> yeah oh, i love skulls <laughs> you can just talk let's just talk about dark ritual for an hour i'm, I'm sure very you... much like like glenn danzig i i want your skull <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think we'd get a glenn danzig reference oh, on, I, this, on yeah. this podcast <laughs> are you a fan of danzig as a person no as an entity and a musician absolutely I guess from a fashion point of view, big fan. Oh, no, 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 no. Huge fan. No, far too many swastikas. Yeah. I mean, no, I meant like outside of like the white supremacist, horrible parts of it. Yeah. <laughs> no t-shirt, leather vest. Yeah. <laughs> pulling, pulling all your hair down your face and then drawing on eyeliner like you're crying black tears. Big fan. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Being I don't know. I don't know. We'll cover dancing next week when we talk about skulls for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Excellent. Maybe we should but, start uh, another podcast. Yeah. That isn't magic related. <laughs> where we just talk about how all of our like childhood pop culture icons have disappointed us by all be- becoming bastards and or Nazis. Yeah, kill your idols, people. Absolutely. Cool. So on, on that note, I think that's pretty much all we have. <laughs> time for this week uh, if you've enjoyed our discussion about pioneer results and green as a color hit us up on social media you can get us on twitter we are at hfdcast facebook.com slash hfdcast or you can get us on patreon or patreon.com slash hour of devastation if you want to give back in a dollar amount uh, tiers start from as little as one dollar per month that's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode and anything we do get just goes straight back into helping this podcast tick along Alright, we need to buy more gear, so please. <laughs> Strong uh, agree. Yeah, we, we, we can't do that without uh, without patrons. I want to really like stretch out this bit, like the outro. Yeah. Because I'm very aware, and as someone that listens to podcasts, I'm very aware of like the point at which one of the hosts says, "That's all we have time for," and you start talking about social media coordinates. Yeah. People just stop listening to the podcast. So if we can make the outro like ten minutes long. <laughs> People will be like, oh, maybe there's some like more content in there, and then they'll accidentally listen to where they can find Bonus us on social content. media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'll accidentally listen to the bit where we talk about Patreon and they'll actually go and do it. Yeah, I think we have helps. a way to get more patrons if we just like talk about just talk about nonsense for like ten minutes. <laughs> so that they're more inclined to listen to the bit where we talk about supporting us. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. We'll, we'll see if it works. On that note, you can find us on <laughs> Spotify, SoundCloud iTunes slash Apple Podcasts if you would like to give us a review or a rating or a share on any of those platforms we'd really appreciate it It helps us get out to more people or just tell people that you know to listen to a podcast we'd uh, we'd really appreciate it yeah it's all massively appreciated Mm -hmm. so if you want to find me on my own personal social media on Twitter I am at Peach Garden Oath that's Oath of an F 
Facebook, I'm Joel Loudon. I'm in pretty much any of the magic groups. You'll you'll see me around. Or you can also catch me on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash peachgardenoath. I stream pretty much every Tuesday from 8pm and some weekends as well. Uh, catch me tomorrow if you want to see me stream Bogles and Standard. But that's when I that's when I have to edit the podcast. Well, maybe not you specifically catch me tomorrow, but the I want to. fantastic listeners out there. I want to support my friends and also bully you in chat. <laughs> Uh, I see that you haven't moved everything over to Ofer the Gatewatch. No, not yet. I'm definitely considering it, though. Excellent, excellent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's snail69. Nice. Thank you. Uh, where I'm just bragging about how sick I am at Legacy at the yeah. moment. I, I mean, you totally deserve to do that as well. I think you had, you had a fantastic run at the weekend. It was pretty Thank cool you. watching your, your results. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun, and I was really happy with my performance. Uh, Legacy is great. Long live Legacy. Please give us a GP. Man, I, I don't know if anyone from Watsy listens to this podcast or, as I've just discussed, whether they've made it to this point in the podcast. Please give us a GP. For the love of God. Uh, yeah, if you want to go on my Twitter, you can look at the Maverick deck list. And also, I'm probably about to spend the rest of this evening ranting about the Oscars and specifically middle aged white people's reaction to who won at the Oscars. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So that's all we have time for this week. Once again, we're approaching the second hour. The Godfarer has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Arab Devastation.